listening to Cinema Spin. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cinema Spin. I'm Matt. And I'm Jason. We're here to dive deep into at least two films. We're getting all, all the way into a couple <laughs> When of I films. say at least, exactly two films. Exactly two films. <laughs> the first one is a uh, new release in theaters this week and uh, Jason's going to tell us about it. Okay, yes, this is uh, The Sparks Brothers, which is a documentary directed by Edgar Wright, who is a uh, British director of some note. You might no- notice his name. Um from such movies as Shaun of the Dead um, and um, a couple other. Oh, uh, B- uh, Baby Driver uh, came out a couple years ago. Got some note. Um, also famously got fired from the Ant Man movie. If you're into behind the scenes scandals. So um, anyway, so uh, he is a big fan of a band called Sparks. And uh, a couple years ago, he after a show decided uh, that they more people need to know about this band Sparks, and so he set out. Uh, to direct, to make a documentary to uh, sort of show people what they're missing, right? So uh, the the band Sparks consists of uh, Russell and Ron Mail. Um, if th- this movie has its way, uh, you'll leave believing that they're the hardest working band in show business and the best band you've never heard of. Um, their career has spanned now seven decades. Um, and 25 albums. Uh, their catalog consists of just about every form of rock music you can think of. Uh, they have they, they had disco records back when disco was in. Uh, they, you know, they started out with uh, you know uh, a lot of uh, those British Invasion type of music. Uh, a lot of their newer stuff uh, has a sort of a they might be giants edge to it. So uh, they've done all sorts of stuff over the years. Um, but much of their, uh, their appeal to their fans comes from their unique stage presence. Um, in their heyday, uh, lead singer Russell has, so he has this angelic falsetto voice and this huge mop of bushy, really fun, bushy rock and roll hair, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and Ron, who is apparently the main creative songwriter in the band, uh, played the keyboards while affecting this sort of haunted dourness under his trademark uh, Hitler mustache, right? Um, there's an apocryphal story t- uh, told in the movie uh, that uh, when they played the Top of the Pops in the 70s, John Lennon called Ringo to tell him, turn, <laughs> turn on your TV, mate. Mark Bolin is singing a song with Adolf Hitler. <laughs> so uh, the movie rolls out uh, in a pretty standard kind of music documentary form, uh, telling the stories of the band's really endless cycles of near successes and failures in- intermixed with a small army of very famous people um, singing praises of the band. Uh, people um, uh, that uh, including everyone from Beck to Mike Myers to Flea of Red Hot Chili Peppers to writer Neil Gaiman to TV producer Amy Sherman Palladino for some reason. Um, <laughs> for some reason. Right. And uh, <laughs> Todd Rundgren, people like Todd Rundgren and Jane Wheedlin of the Go-Go's telling some of the behind the music stories. Um so uh, Wright uses animation and ironic stock fo- footage for some laughs. Uh, but the real show here is the extensive concert footage uh, of the band that makes it clear. The real attraction is that the male, uh, is the male brothers uh, bizarre musical persona, um, uh, which made, for me made it easier to forgive that I uh, just wasn't that very impressed by a lot of the music you guys were playing. <laughs> Um, so they were fun to watch. I'd love to go to this show, but I think uh, uh, one of their shows, their, their shows look like a total blast, but, uh, um, I was, uh, I fell short of leaving thinking that these guys were musical geniuses that, uh, the world needs to know more about. What did you think, Matt? I, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit, mm-hmm. but did I leave the theater thinking that they were kind of a watershed act in the history of rock and roll? Yeah. I did not. Mm-hmm. Um, I I enjoyed it on the level of I probably wouldn't. There's probably a lot of bands that could have been in the place of the Sparks Brothers. You know, it's an exhaustive account yeah. of their career. It is exhaustive. It's exhaustive. Yes. For you know, for we some, should, yeah, it it could have been cut a lot for people who were more in layman's. You know, laymen aren't you know in, industry insiders. Definitely. And been every bit as entertaining, if not more. Yes, it is. Um, it is extremely in depth, and it definitely has the what I call the Edgar Wright twenty. Uh, all his movies are twenty minutes to at least twenty minutes. It's, too it's long. literally yeah. step by step through their entire career, and it goes. We said they had twenty five albums. It goes basically through yes, all twenty five yeah. albums. And how you know, I mean, right? There's a lot of bands you could have put in the place of Sparks that I would have enjoyed this movie just as much, if not more. 
Um, I just didn't leave. I didn't see their genius. If, but then I asked myself, was this movie meant? Is the is the part of this movie that seems to be claiming that they are genius and so inspirational? Is that the marketing for this movie, or is that the movie itself? Because these people just there's not like glowing. Oh, you had to be there when they did this. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. there's not like this glowing. Uh, there were some. Or there's not from a clear the, yeah. laid out. Um, there's not a clear laid out path of how this band inspired people. Exactly. You know. Exactly. And, and you would think that would be there if they were as transformative as they as this. Somebody thinks they they are. One. I don't know if it's necessarily 100% this movie. Hundred percent agree. I I I. I <laughs> um. I, I mean, this movie it was entertaining. I thought at times, you know. I mean, Edgar Wright has, knows how to put a movie together. It moves at a good pace, and some of the sto- some of the the stories of their successes and failures are sort of more interesting. Right, than and others. that's the level I enjoyed it on. But the thing that frustrated me, and their their live shows, it definitely comes across that wow, I would love to see these guys, or at least it's maybe in different. 1976, something I'd a little to different. See these guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Uh, the main frustration I had with this movie is, like I said, you have this whole army of celebrities who are given maybe, uh, maybe ten seconds to talk. Right? I mean, if you're going to get Weird Al and Beck and and Patton Oswalt and Neil Gaiman, all, you know, together to to do interviews specifically for Bjork, yeah. uh, for for and the she doesn't uh, even appear on camera. Yeah, she doesn't even appear on camera, but she she says half a sentence <laughs> about about knowing that sparks exist. Yeah, instead right? of having thirty people comment for a little bit, have ten that comment. Yeah, but like more extensive. But like, you know. I mean, Beck is a, a, a for instance, is, is kind of uh, he, on the one he's kind of presented as a centerpiece of of the sort of lead celebrity talking like about these one, guys. If not the first person, they he talk, is the first you, person yeah. you see, right? And in fact, the first thing that you sort of see in this movie is is him saying that, hey, you know, if you get enough musicians together for long enough, they start talking about sparks, right? And I'm dying to know. Well, what do they say about them, right? You know, like, like, tell me back. I'm begging you. Tell but, me but how. But to be fair, <laughs> if you have a group of people long enough, <laughs> you know, they're going to talk about a, anything. A hundred right? monkeys yeah. given enough time, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, fair enough. Right? <laughs> but like, yeah, but they don't go. But they don't give Beck the opportunity to go into how. Right. He was affected by this, and I've heard. You know, I'm I'm quite a Beck fan and quite a Beck aficionado. He's very very articulate about the the uh, about bands that have influenced him and everything. I'm I'm I bet he can talk your ear off about uh, the way the the thi- at least the way the things he likes about the band. Yeah, so, I mean, if it, songs he loves. He and wouldn't why, be on right? camera saying what he say what he's on camera saying if he didn't wasn't backing it up somewhere. Right. Yeah. And either that film is on the cutting room floor somewhere, or <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, or, I can't explain it. Yeah, I can't explain it either, right? And and you, um, yeah, they, they just, I guess, <laughs> you know, uh, and if Wright is going to cut some stuff, right? I mean, if he's going to cut back explaining what's, you know, why he's a fan of Sparks, <laughs> or telling the story. What sto- are we doing here? Right, telling the story of how he first encountered the band, or, or one of those kinds of things that you... Um, might actually interest you. These, uh, what we get instead is we get like, like you said, this really exhaustive biography of the band that really becomes repetitive. You know, at about the 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 ninety minute mark. That yes, okay, once again they put out a record. They had some success. They really thought they were going to break through. Then they put out another record that was weird and not at all like the record that was previously successful. And then nobody knew what to do with them. Right? I mean, the one thing you said, I mean, the only argument that out of the things that you said at the top. Yeah. You could probably argue that they are one of the hardest working bands. That comes through. <laughs> yes. Because yes. Yeah. they are relentless when yes. it comes to yes. producing new material. Yes. Uh, as I said, seven, uh, seven decades. They've been putting band, uh, uh, putting, putting records out since uh, the 60s. You know, they throw it out there, um, promote the album, I've and they're been, back uh, in the studio as soon as they, you know. And I must say, I've, I've been boning up the last couple of days. I downloaded some uh, some Sparks albums, and I've been sort of boning up on some of their albums. Um, and I will say that... Uh, um, the their albums don't sound alike, <laughs> um, or at least uh, you know they they have periods. Uh, their early uh, their earliest albums sound very uh, 
and they admit this in the movie, talk about this in the movie, even though everybody thinks they're a British band, they're actually uh, they're actually born in L.A., right? Yeah. Uh, and they first found their uh, their big success though in Britain because they uh, they were huge into the British invasion. You know, they, they're uh, you know they really love the uh, the music of obviously the, and just the, in general the Beatles and the Who and what you know in right? Europe kind of right. like you know we don't think of David Hasselhoff as a musician, but in <laughs> but Germany, in, in they Germ- do. right in Germany they do. <laughs> Right, so uh, yeah, and their first albums sound very much like kind of off kilter uh, kinks, you know. So it's very much what you would expect. It's listenable music, um, you know. Uh, but um, I really recommend, however, uh, the album they put out just last year, uh, "Slow Drip Drip Drip," um, that uh, uh, I was listening to just on the way over here, and um, has some really uh, one song in particular about iPhones that is really. really <laughs> I, I I I oh, saw that video. Oh, did you? Um, <laughs> yeah, they're. Uh... <laughs> Getting a little on the experimental side, I think, but uh, right, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, it's the line—I forget what the line is, but because it was probably like thir- uh, after the after I saw the movie when I looked it up, but <laughs> something along the lines of um, "Put down your iPhone." <laughs> yeah, I'd with, like to speak with, to you with maybe an expletive in there. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right. Um, so um, yeah, and you, um, yeah, I, I mean the. The movie has a few things on its mind uh, about, you know, I, I think that that Edgar Wright kind of wants to know why this why more people don't know about this band, why this band isn't bigger. And and um, stra- I think this movie ends up kind of answering that question, <laughs> um, because I think these guys, um, they're uh, not mainstream. They're just not. they're not mainstream and they're not interested in making mainstream music. And and at the on the one hand, they're very. uh I mean, they'd love to be more popular than they are, and they'd love to be more mainstream. On the other hand, they're not willing to make the kinds of music that you know that you that you can dance to. Uh, their right? music is kind of devoid of hooks. You know, they're not. It's not like a. You know, there's parts of you know certain songs. Right. You know, they can, you know that's what a hook. They drives you, a part of the song that just pulls you in. Yeah. And their songs are just like I the word always it just felt a little experimental to me you Exper- know? yeah experimental is a good word you know. and and a lot of their a lot of their music uh in fact maybe all their music that i've heard has it seems like somebody wrote a very sort of typical pop song but just did it a little bit kind of like i said off kilter yeah right? I, I can, I can um, see that. and that um makes for um uh an off kilter career right <laughs> it's, like, it's like a series um, of concept albums that they've made you know, right, yeah, and, yeah, and maybe. It's, it's, it seems like yeah. they're all kind of like the soundtrack of some weird musical, you know? Uh-huh. There's like a theme there. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah, I uh, jumped around to listen to some of their different albums. The one thing I will say is they do they have some clever titles for albums, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Angst in My Pants is, is a pretty good one. <laughs> I like uh, right. A Woofer in Tweeter's Clothing for some reason. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why. That's a, that's a good and one. And Kimono My House is not bad either. Kimono My House. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Woofer and Tweeter's Clothing and a Kimono <laughs> House are pretty good albums. And they're not afraid to, uh, you know, devote, devote uh, you know, a portion of their life to making an album that's just called Balls. <laughs> <laughs> that apparently is not their best work. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I... I enjoyed, you I'm know... A- the guys, uh, them, those two, you know, they oh, seem yes, really yes, down yes. to earth, and they're that's they're, one of the um, best parts of, the, of yeah, yeah, their interactions with each other. You know, they're, they're obviously they've spent a lot of time together, and uh, yeah, and they still enjoy some, each yeah, other's company, still, right? exactly. Um, unlike you and me, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, their presence is is really good. The interviews with them are, are all really fun, especially. I feel like um, if I had been a fan, you know, they, they had right. they famously are uh, kind of. Uh, 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 reclusive. Yeah, this and, is. If you're a big fan, this is like access to them that you probably never had. Yeah, before. you never would have had before, right. right? And and lots of the lots of the fans talk about how uh, uh, you know meeting them or running into them or getting a chance to talk to them at one point or another was really uh, uh, really exciting and transformative. So this is really, uh, and, and you know uh, I forget which celebrity it was, but somebody at one point uh, even questions, do I even want to see this doc? I think it was Mike Myers, and it says, do I even want to see this documentary? Because <laughs> I just want to imagine what they're like, you know. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I, you know, I, I think if you are a fan of this band, I bet you are a pig and slop and absolutely love every second of this. Um, 
I think if you're if you don't know who these guys are, um, you are um, gonna be entertained for about an hour, and then you're gonna be uh, kind of itchy for about another hour, and then by because uh, this movie's two hours and twenty minutes, and yeah. for the last twenty minutes, you're gonna be done with this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I was never quite there. I, I enjoyed it. There, there was a couple, yeah. you know, a couple points in there that I, where I got, you know, thought, oh, this is running, you're running pretty long. Yeah. Uh, I guess that. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was a little too like the word we used there earlier, exhaustive. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I wonder if he painted himself into a corner, you know, where you when you start structuring the film as album by album. Yeah. You know, can you cut an album then? Well, you know, then, it's like. I mean, if the yeah, I, I mean, if the alternative is throwing out the re, you know the reason that Beck and Weird Al and Pat Oswalt showed <laughs> well, up, I'm not, showed up. I'm not, I'm not saying yes, right? Maybe you skip an album. <laughs> Maybe skip over balls, right? <laughs> right. Um. So uh, you know, if you yeah. skip over one album, you then, then you know you, you pretty much got to skip over more than one. You yeah. Know, you know? Yeah. But uh, but I think the, the chronology could have definitely been condensed. You know, I mean, most of these this type of documentary is a, you know like like if it was behind the music or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, they would skip going into every album and hit the high points. Yeah, yeah. You know, and maybe some of the high points here aren't as high as they are with other bands, but uh, yeah, true. You know, they're um, not not as low either. I mean, obviously, yeah. It, it doesn't, there's no talk of them, you know, falling into drug habits and right yeah yeah in fact uh you know yeah um apparently they avoided all of that yeah so it seems like it at least yeah um so um i don't want to leave i don't want to like leave this discussion without like talking about like you know this movie does make a case that uh that the main uh legacy musical legacy of sparks that you can really argue objectively that they really um, kind of pioneered a change in, in music was that they released a, a synth album, uh, one of the first one of the first synth rock albums, maybe the first. This this movie would have you believe it's the first. I didn't double check that, but it was in you know seventy nine seventy eight yeah, or seventy nine. So it was bef- definitely before. There's some other synth music coming out right about that yeah. time, but not much before that. Right, so it's, you're talking. So and uh, this movie is very enthusiastic about that legacy um i uh i am not um i think if that's your if that's your main musical legacy um i've you've got some problems i mean you know look um uh you know uh, rock and roll will never die but it's been in a body cast a few times right and by the time uh van halen recorded uh jump right I mean, it was rock, uh, 70s guitar music was you know, eating its meals through a straw, okay? Right. And <laughs> so, you know, the, the, this split between, uh, you know, synth, you know the, the split that occurred between sort of guitar rock and synth rock in the 80s. Um, synth becoming more than a tool. Yeah. Um, and it becoming... There's nothing g- to be proud of. The genre was probably a mistake. Yeah. But it's a tool that I, I tend to, to gravitate to if it's used properly. You know, yes. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, this is not probably the proper time to get into it, but I'm not a big fan of Jump, but <laughs> I, th- I think 5150 is, is the Van Halen album. Okay. It's yeah, not just another rock and roll album. You know, first of all, early Van Halen is a lot of covers. That's true. And they start writing their own stuff. And I know I didn't mean to pick on. Well, you know, I, I know you didn't right, because yeah, right. uh, it's just an example, right? Eddie got enamored with the synth. Yes, but I think the way they the way they use it in fifty one fifty, it's a really cool album, and they never moved on from it. They yeah. made fifty one fifty three more times. Yeah, and it wasn't as good the fair, other times. Fair enough, but we also have, I mean, uh, uh, you know, we, we also have Sticks and other sort of rock. Not that I'm not that I'm going to yeah. die on the hill about the career, you know, that you know that that Sticks didn't turn out, you know, wasn't turning out great music by uh by the 80s, right? But uh nonetheless, I mean, you have this uh uh the music, the rock music, the popular rock music of the 80s um was really uh 
infected, I think, by the uh, use of the uh, of the synthesizer. Well, overuse is and what... well, oh, we can. What, what I like, maybe, maybe not, right? But even what, either way, I think that uh, uh, it's not for the better that more bands started uh, being synth based. Um, um, it's just monkey see, monkey do, you know. Yeah. It started, uh, most of the synth stuff that I like, the synth is used more. As the baseline for the film, for for the film, for the for the tune, instead of you get a synth bass but guitar overlay on top of it, yeah, so you're not replacing enough. the guitar necessarily. You're replacing maybe the bass guitar in some ways. Yeah, you know? it's, it goes back to uh, uh, the Doors. You know, they didn't have a bass player; they used a keyboard bass. It wasn't I a synthesizer underst- bass, but it was. You know, I understand, and I, I don't want to. You know, I, I uh, I'm not. You know, it's not like I hate the synthesizer. It's that I, I, I hate uh, that it became a whole uh, genre, subgenre of rock, and it be- ended up becoming the sort of dominant uh, subgenre of rock uh, in terms of, of, of music sales during that time, when there were still lots of other, you know, I mean, there were still all the bands of the, well, not all of them, but, you know, many of the bands of the 70s were trying to make, you know, uh, you know guitar rock. Right. Yeah, but and, we might have just and, got to... and couldn't get on the radio because 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 of Duran Duran and Flock of Seagulls. <laughs> Without right? all that stuff, though, we might have just got to to hair bands quicker. Well, right. Uh, well, right. I, I mean, also also Sparks. Look here, right. If you if you t- want to take responsibility for for ruining the seventies guitar rock uh, with with, uh, uh, with the introduction of the synthesizer, you we can also hang around your neck when rock really did resurge in the middle in the mid eighties. What happened? Well, you had kitschy hair 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 metal bands, right? Um. So um. And yeah. So uh. And if if you know, who knows if the if the synthesizer had not sort of killed off a lot of those uh, '70s rock bands? It didn't kill it off. It, it, it dead, dead killed it off. But it came back. Destroyed rock, um, bloody in the streets, um, and <laughs> it was only it, it was only back. saved by Guns and Roses later on. <laughs> um, no, no, I'm I'm actually not that big of a Guns and Roses fan, but but you know. Uh, they they were uh, they they were a major step. Away. I would say oh, they was, were a major step. I would away say from it was the... saved more by Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, and Nirvana. Uh, I, well, I I think I, I, yeah, I think the uh, I think uh, Soundgarden. Yeah, I think Guns N' Roses is an important uh, tra- step, transitional fossil there. between uh, between Poison, a little less hairband. Yeah, and and Nirvana, and not so. really grunge, but more yeah, um, sleazy. A, yeah. Uh, uh, Kind of a nod back more to the word the seventies. Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's like uh, you had to go back. Rolling Stones style. Before, before yeah. you, you had to go back a little before you went forward. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, I think uh, that's uh, yeah. That's the end of it. Um, I, <laughs> the one uh, one thing I, I do uh, just, just fade it out. Don't even say bye. <laughs> don't even say bye. Uh, you know, one of the uh, the last things I want to uh, say about this is that uh, I. Uh, thought watching this well actually thought driving around listening to some of this music the last couple of days i thought of uh maybe maybe my favorite band of all time which is the fiery furnaces which is a band you've probably never heard of i don't think i and have. um most people have never heard of right but um the fiery furnaces uh, not that they sound anything at all like uh, uh like sparks but also but they do have that same tendency of um you get the sense of musical uh, a, a musical g- genius that knows how to put together a pop song, you know, um, uh, and a fun rock song uh, in just about any genre they like, but um, just can't, just has to quirk it up a little bit and quirk it up a little bit here and there, and maybe often quirk it up too much to, and to really get any sort of uh, real, I, any sort of real. Uh, um, I don't know that Sparks following. has any ability to make a pop song, a, a, a mm-hmm. good pop song at all. Actually, if you listen to that early stuff, I mean, they're I mean, they're, they're, do, yeah. they're doing. I mean, they're they're writing Kinks ty- style they're just, songs. They just that lack just... that that driving hook, though. You know the, that. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lack of melody there. It's more of a there's the cadence, but not the melody. Yeah, but. And they like, re- but also the, the, I wonder they're, if they're that's... very into repetitive lyrics, which is not my, my it, jam. It does make you wonder if they're, uh, you know, is is that something on that th- that they're doing on purpose? Are they they not hooking? Because what what's the song in the movie where they 
where the, the the song is the same lyric over and over again. And they talk about how deep it is. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, that would drive me batshit bonkers. Yes, I yes. Mean, how would there, not... There's one song that's just the repetition of the line. Um, uh, my baby took me home, or something like something that. Like something that. very right, similar. Yeah. To that, yeah. And they uh, and and the whole song is just that that line repeated, but the music builds around it. It's as though it's like a, a you know a multi part song where you have a slow part, you know, and then the fast part, and then like a middle eight, and then you have a big sort of the the orchestra comes in at the <laughs> end. But there's just that one lyric, "My baby took me home," right for the whole thing that becomes. Um, Depending on who you are, um, maddening or hypnotic or both. Right? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely on the maddening side. I, <laughs> repetition in music is one of my, one of my pet peeves. As are self-indulgent guitar solos. Oh, okay. So, so um, but uh, I think I enjoyed this a little more than you did. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you probably didn't did. get bogged down in 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 its length that much, but I did <laughs> did. The, the word exhaustive definitely crossed my mind as I was watching it. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, I did enjoy the the portrait of the two brothers working together and, and all that they've accomplished or all that maybe they didn't accomplish. But yeah, um, the journey through their life was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, uh, they uh, yeah. And they're they're uh, they've been waiting all of these years to really have their moment. And this is. This is, I think, safe to say their moment, because not only is the uh, is this documentary out now and, and getting, you know, not from me and you maybe, but getting rave reviews from other people, um, but also uh, they uh, another movie, uh, a musical uh, called Annette is coming out this year, uh, directed by French, noted French director uh, Leo uh, Carrex, who did uh, Holy Motors, right, and who's a big deal, uh, uh, sort of a big deal independent. Uh, French director, um, star. You know this movie will star Adam Driver. We will see him singing, uh, uh, presumably, right, and uh, Marion Cotillard. So um, interesting. So within a couple, yeah. So all of a sudden, Sparks is kind of everywhere. They're everywhere. Um, so will have a Happy Meal toy before. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, which means that by Christmas there will be so that you know there will be some. Uh, they will release an album of just you know metal machine sounds or something, and, <laughs> and, you know, and, and wonder why nobody listens to their music. Right? <laughs> Quite possibly. So, all right. Well, I guess we better move on. We got okay. a half hour on the Sparks Brothers, and uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back with the next movie. Hey guys, did you know that Cinema Spin has a sister podcast called Pop Culture Nation? It's returning after a long hiatus due to COVID with new weekly episodes. On Pop Culture Nation, we discuss not only movies, but television, music, and anything else in the pop culture realm we feel like tackling. Pop Culture Nation, returning June 12th, 2021, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we are back on CinemaSpin for our film that was chosen at random by the almighty randomizer. And that film is 1976, The Omen. The Omen. It was directed by Richard Donner, whose other films include Superman, The Goonies, as well as the Lethal Weapon series. The whole series. Really? I think, I think oh, so. Yeah. I, I knew he directed the first couple, but I didn't. It I stars didn't Gregory Peck and Lee Remick as proud new parents of a baby boy named Damien. Also in this film is David Warner, sporting one of the world's worst haircuts ever in, in the history of film. <laughs> Damien is just a typical misunderstood misunderstood youth, but everyone in the film seems to jump to the conclusion that he has a more nefarious origin story. Jason, what did you think of the Omen? <laughs> um, I love this movie. I thought this movie was great. I seriously did. I, I enjoyed every minute of this movie. This movie is the perfect combination of like uh, why you see horror movies, right? It's creepy, right, at times, right? And it is so so enthusiastically campy throughout much of it, right? Um, so, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I just uh, I just really had a, a good time with all of this. Um, let's let's begin by talking about uh, Jerry Goldsmith, uh, the uh, the legendary uh, 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 
film uh, scorer. What do you call it? composer? Right. Composer. He's he composed all. He's made all sorts of uh, 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 theme music for all movies you've seen from Patton. One of my favorite themes of all time. Uh, he's been nominated something like eighteen times for uh, for uh, uh, Oscars. He's won exactly one Oscar for The Omen, <laughs> and I think it's safe to say this movie is. In terms of its effectiveness as a hor- as a horror movie, um, the score is about doing uh, ninety nine pr- not just all the heavy lifting. It is it is <laughs> do this movie would be a comedy if <laughs> a, a straight up com uh, uh, like melodramatic comedy if not for uh, Goldsmith's score. But but that score could make a Skittles commercial scary. I, mean, I hated the score. Oh, of this you movie. did? <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I didn't like. I didn't want to listen I to it. it but really I found it really odd. It was, it was, yeah, it was odd and it was creepy. But odd, <laughs> weird. I don't okay. know. I just, I just didn't work for me. Okay. Well, it has I, a lot knew of, like, that it, I knew that he won the. I knew yeah. that he'd won yeah. the Oscar. Yeah. Because just from trivia, you know, through yeah. the years. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, I guess it didn't <laughs> live up to my expectations. Oh, okay. I just yeah. found it really weird and um not not at all what I was expecting. Uh huh. There's just some weird screech type effects yeah there's screeching and enchanting are, are meant to make me feel man, i guess and at you know not at ease obviously. yeah right yeah and and uh it, it's kind of raised my anger level a little bit yeah yeah it does it, it it's it, you know it's it, like uh, jesus christ this yeah is terrible it's <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's uh extreme we can agree it's extremely unsettling yeah um, i just i didn't didn't particularly care uh, for it but uh so um so yeah, uh, I just I just sort of basked in in mostly in in this just the uh, silliness of just every bit everything about this movie. Um, like uh, you know, early I'm like, <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> what are the odds that David Warner's character does not die horribly? I literally <laughs> have that, yeah, they're in my notes, and then I have afterwards zero percent, right? <laughs> and then I have a series of puns. Like, descri- <laughs> like if this were a Schwarzenegger movies, like what you would say when he dies, because spoiler alert, uh, David Warner later on in the movie, uh, when he decides he is going to do something about Damien, <laughs> right? Uh, there's all these, uh, you know, something goes wrong and this this truck this truck lets loose and this giant pane of glass like, <laughs> flies and and severs his head like his head like falls like you know like flies five feet in the air right yeah so if yeah. this were a Schwarzenegger movie it would be you know you'd be like don't be a pain right, <laughs> <laughs> right? nice or, right? <laughs> looks painful right? <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> I found this movie really dull. Really? Yes. Oh, no. Um, I thought that Gregory Peck seemed like he was just not interested in this material. Yes. In a way. Yes. This is not and, Gregory Peck. And there are some really bad fake phone calls in this. <laughs> like where he picks up the phone and he's like, Muriel? What are you? Well, you know, and that's just the name <laughs> right. I made up. But Exactly. You know, it's like, it's Why t- are you calling Yeah, me? it's totally not a, not a real phone call. Right. Um, and, and the most important thing about this movie is, the kid gets a freaking bad rap, man. He didn't do anything wrong. This actually, this is this is ex- something that I, I early on I was like, wow, there's a really interesting idea here, and that is, um, this movie could be. And in my notes, I say, you know, this could end up being a real interrogation of the problematic Christian notion of good and evil. Right, <laughs> that evil is just sort of this this essential quality of things, and that a child could be evil just by his nature before he ever actually even had the chance to commit any evil acts. Right. right. It, this movie could be an interrogation of that notion. It's not really. <laughs> well, I mean, let's, let's just, let's just it's delve. mostly about severing people's heads. Let's just delve into to poor Damien here. Yeah. Shall we? Mm-hmm. What, what really happens? What, what does he really do here? Uh-huh. Okay. First thing is the nanny kills herself. Yes. I mean, let's, I mean, I think, but the dog told her to, obviously. Well, hey, yeah. I mean, who hasn't had a nanny kill herself <laughs> at a birthday party right, before? Right, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, they seem, they want to have this kid, but then once they have it, they seem to not really be that interested in having it around that much. Well, yeah, they're very bougie and, and hire people to <laughs> so, you know, so the kids. So, right, so, yeah. so we lose the nanny, yeah. all right? And then the next thing is, okay, animals don't like him. <laughs> 
Right. But he can't help that. That was Jewish. And then right. last but not I, least. There's that, there's that scene where, this is what I'm saying, this movie is just hilarious. There's that scene they, they're pulled up in front, in, in front of a bunch of giraffes. And the giraffes. Fuck the this reaction noise. shots of the giraffes is hilarious. That's a great Because they all kind of look at each other and they're like, what is going on? And then like, whoa, we're getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. Right? And it's fuck like this noise. And it's like, I have the same reaction to children often. Right, you know, I'm just like, oh no, get me out of here. Uh, but back to my point here. Yeah. And then there's the incident with the tricycle, which yes. is now, I, sure, the kids kind of run and rampant with them. Not, you know, he, he doesn't have a lot of thoughts for other people's situation as he mm. drives the tricycle. But is there malice in his heart, or is this more of a referendum on should you be? Up on a ladder watering a plant or whatever the hell she's doing next to a giant ledge like that. Well, you're pregnant, and also you have the money to, you know, hire help, yeah. right? And the way she fell was hysterical. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. I, I laughed out loud <laughs> right, for that part. Uh, right. But I'm thinking, I'm go. thinking, okay, at this point, once she falls, they pretty much give up on this poor kid. Yeah, well, yeah. And the rest of the movie is about... Right, it's this really, conspiracy theory. Right, is this really sort of dumb kind of Dan Brown kind of uh, <laughs> scavenger hunt through uh, uh, through biblical bullshit? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like they go they go to one priest who could tell them the whole story, but doesn't. But kind of the tells con- them another about the another con- priest who might be able to the third Conjuring movie again. Right, where yeah, they're going to tell yeah, you exactly. exactly the lowdown, and then right. and then they're they like, don't. Right, come in here. I'll tell you everything you want to know, <laughs> but, <laughs> except for what you want to know. So, so the priest comes to warn Gregory Peck about his son. Uh huh. Which yes. I assumed this was just the priest that gave him the kid to begin with. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't. Because, it was because different... all, oh, what are you saying? All priests look alike. <laughs> all all um, Italian priests look the same. <laughs> I guess in my <laughs> my short sighted world. But... <laughs> Bigot. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so I right. assume it was the same priest. Mm-hmm. But no, it's it's another priest. Yeah, it's a different priest. And can we talk about the priest's death for a second? <laughs> because... Well, see, the priest's death <laughs> was hilarious, but all overshadowed by by. <laughs> so maybe I've jumped I've jumped ahead. But maybe, yes, maybe you yes. have. So let's back up. But the, the priest gets impaled by a piece of metal <laughs> off the top of a roof. And you can see it coming forever. And he just watch he just watches it come. <laughs> right. It's like take one step to your yeah. left. <laughs> it's like it's like he's it's like he went Jerry Seinfeld. You know, this is gonna be a shame. That's right. What right. It's <laughs> like move in any direction, <laughs> right? But instead, he watches the spire fall yeah. and says, "Oh no, that's about to hit me and pin me to the ground. It's about to impale me." Right. So, uh, and uh, yeah. So I just want to say to point out the people who haven't seen this movie. So like, uh, Damien isn't like killing people at this point, but. Uh, you know, uh, sinister things, sinister supernatural things are happening to people who are trying to take him out, you know? So, like, you know, the, the uh, a storm, you know, a priest tries to uh, uh, do something to him, so a storm comes up and then blows the, sp- the spire off the top, and he's impaled, right? You know, so this kid takes all this heat over things that are just creepy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but what I, was t- what I was talking about the other day that, that I, I wondered about... <laughs> They dress Damien really creepy in this. <laughs> but is it chicken or the egg? What came first? <laughs> right. The pop culture notion that that's how you dress him from this movie. Uh-huh. Right. Or right. him in this movie. And I'm like, you know, we've seen everything in this movie parodied a thousand times. Yeah, yeah. This is since then. I don't know movie. what's real and what's actually came from this movie. Right. Um, um yeah, we... well, and it ruined the the name Damien forever. I mean, before <laughs> this movie came out, Damien was, you know, there was a Saint Damien, right? You know, it was a perfectly legitimate name, right? Yeah. But now it's forever associated with the, you know, uh, with Lucifer, right? Um, and this this next part, this is the first, th- my first thought as this movie started. And I and I asked, I checked my, I asked my wife about this. Yeah. So I have consulted yeah. another adult uh-huh. before I came up with this. My first instinct when i saw lee remick is how old is this lady having a baby <laughs> and i looked it up and she was 41 yeah that was old as fuck to have a baby in the 70s yeah it's old as fuck to have a baby now yeah apologies to any of our listeners who have had <laughs> you know babies after the age of 40 well right <laughs> i mean okay, um, yeah there are certain right. extra yes. medical problems right, that yes. come with having a baby uh, that's exactly right 
And, right. you know, I started thinking, because I, I didn't think she looked like the age of, of a mother. I thought she looked a little older than that to me. Yeah. And, you know, obviously Gregory Peck was 60-something. Right, yeah. This. Right. I just thought, this is a weird couple. And then when he knocks her up for the second time, I'm like... Right, the second... Well, I thought we had established that this... Remick. I, I thought before we had... Earlier in the movie, we kind of established whenever... Because the movie, the movie starts out with the priests informing uh, uh, Gregory Peck's character that uh, his new baby has died. Yeah. Right. They had, they, uh, um, and, uh, I think they even said at the time that she can't have kids. Anymore, yeah. They, right? they did. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, what they did is they got him, you know, uh, convenient, uh, some, uh, some nuns happened to have a baby just laying around. They did like that sitcom trope where you, uh, <laughs> You, you kill their dog. You kill the dog while it's gone. So you got to f- go to a pet shop to find right. Dog to find an identical like dog, yeah. right? So yeah, and then they switch out. He didn't uh, mind Amy, perpetrating right. that fraud in his wife, <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Well, something I want to say about your, you know, you brought up the. There's that very iconic scene where he knocks her over and she falls down. You know, right? You know, but um, you know, I think. He's not a great criminal yet because he just leaves the tricycle there as evidence, right? <laughs> I mean, if he just ridden off on the tricycle, right? It's true. Who's to she's say she didn't remember. just she's just clumsy and fell to her death, it's right? True. Or she actually isn't, isn't killed, but yeah, I guess but the way she's maybe, laying there on the yeah. ground, she looked. I thought for sure she. Was oh dead. yeah, she definitely looked dead. And so, what's funny yeah. is they're just gonna kill her off like a little bit later. Why didn't they just kill her off then? <laughs> right. Yes. What? What's left? There to, was a lot uh, of things that, that, that <laughs> I didn't quite like. Why does Gregory Peck's character have to be the ambassador to England? Yeah. I well, I I think that sets up uh, his political connections. I thought his maybe diplomatic immunity was going to come in at some point. <laughs> right. <laughs> thought it was I gonna... mean, he is he is put in the end. <laughs> he is put in a position of having to commit a pretty heinous crime <laughs> in this movie. Right. <laughs> So I thought for sure they were gonna get on the phone with the, uh, you know, the American, uh, uh, you know, the American president and be like, "Well, you have no jurisdiction, right?" Uh, <laughs> we so, found uh, you with your child and seven knives. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, just to, just to talk about some of the little details here. I mean, this is the kind of movie where. Uh, you know, uh, a, a, a you know a priest who knows the whole story um, dies right in front of them. Uh, uh, and but instead of telling them anything, you know, writes out that uh, what turns out to be the name of this old Etruscan cemetery, right? <laughs> right. That's well, that place is in ruins now, right? Yeah. And so, know. like, well, they have to go to this Etruscan cemetery and and sort of find these, well, what exactly? Some graves, right? And I mean, do you think that they are going to go to this cemetery, this ruined cemetery, like during the daytime? <laughs> no, of course no, not. Of course not. They're going to go in the dead of night, and they're going to find what they're looking for, like within seconds of of going into the it's cemetery, like kind of front and center, right? Even though they don't know really what they're even looking for, yeah, right? It's... Um, and um, I don't know much about <laughs> like Etruscan society or customs, right? But do you do you bury jackals? <laughs> I mean that that can't be normal, right? I mean in a human coffin. Yeah, right? and and like the, the catacombs are so easily nudged open. <laughs> right. Yeah. I right. Exactly. Right. That sarcophagus is yeah, easily cursed. Yes. Sort of slid. Yeah. Just give me give me a hand with this. And oh my God, in this human, uh, you know, uh, giant human sarcophagus, there's this the the, the yes uh, the. A skeleton of a jackal who is, you know, Damien's real mother. Spoiler alert. Uh, right. Yeah, and then I guess Gregory Peck's real baby is in the other one. And Gregory Peck knows this instantly just through, you know. <laughs> Forensic through, science. Right, just through, <laughs> a, you know, a psychic leak, leap, right? Um, so, uh, yeah. yeah. I was expecting this to be a better movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds I, like... I think I wasn't. It so sounds like you enjoyed it on a level... I was expecting it to be a better movie. I, I always thought this was a a well-respected horror like horror film, and it's not much of a horror film at all. The, this movie... Okay, so I, I will make the case that there are some scenes in this... The, uh, scenes in this movie that are genuinely, like, creepy and unsettling. And I think the nanny hanging herself yeah, is one of them. The prob- or the, and, that far-out kid party yeah spoiled brat party with all the little rides and stuff yeah yeah bastard yeah right right (laughs) um right although the you know the the scene where the nanny hangs herself shocking as it is you know especially with that score 
Um, the reaction shots then of everybody are sort of comically like <laughs> unimpressed. No, they're totally unimpressed. Everybody's like, yeah, okay, fine. Right, <laughs> it reminded me of the end of of, of, uh, of Wolfen, right, or, uh, or oh, the, uh, the Howling, rather, right. You know, saw right, right. They're like, oh, what's on the next channel? <laughs> I've seen better. No, even the the clown is standing there, just yeah. like. You know, it's I like, guess it's just, like <laughs> it's like as if a nanny kills himself at nine out of ten right, British, yeah, right. Uh, and they're they're British more parties. than anything pissed off that like, well, the party's just now ruined. Yeah. Thanks, right? Um, so uh, yeah, and the the <laughs> the mom's death too. I mean, all the deaths in this movie—they're all just, ridiculous. And the, sure, I mean, obviously, this movie—I don't even need to look it up. Obviously, this movie inspired the uh, Final Destination. Uh, franchise, right? Oh yeah, I guess so. Because because like all of, <laughs> because all of these death deaths are so uh, ridiculous. Like when the mother does die, she gets thrown out the window of the hospital. Right? And she, <laughs> They're all telegraphed in a really weird way. Yeah. yeah, and she ironically lands on top of an ambulance. Right, <laughs> and so like she crashes to the top of an ambulance. The back ambulance door opens up so we can see that she's dead. Right. right. But I'm thinking to myself, well, at least she's in an ambulance. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not like they have to like call an ambulance, right? Uh so um yes. Uh so um yeah, I was disappointed in this. I was expecting more, and I guess that's what my issue is, as opposed to you. <laughs> um, yeah. I, at I, one point, okay, so at one point, uh, uh, he's told that uh, he has to have, if he's really the son of Satan, he has to have 666 as a birthmark <laughs> somewhere on his body, right? And, of course, you know? the 70s, the time of a lot of hair. On right, exactly. <laughs> and he's like, well, I've seen, you know, I've given the child the bath. He has a have that anywhere and then Bruce like what about his head you've got to look on his head right? <laughs> it would be in his scalp right so you know uh, while Damien is asleep you know presumably I guess they you gave him some Benadryl or something <laughs> before bedtime right because he's going to sleep through kids out Gregory Peck you know chopping his hair down <laughs> to the root right and sure enough there's this birthmark that could be 999 <laughs> I mean stick with me that's right? a good point is there a period that exactly. tells you what's up and what's exactly. down exactly maybe those nuns had marked him down from a thousand dollars right <laughs> I mean they that's did he did get you know he got the kid on the black market basically right <laughs> and you um, know when you're gonna murder your son you wanna be freaking sure <laughs> yes <laughs> right yeah, exactly right uh so um yeah uh uh, I, so the central silliness. So, I'm sorry. What is David Warner? He's a photographer. Is he? Re- he's not a reporter. He's just a photographer. Just a photographer. But I guess he's a a uh, affiliated with a newspaper or something. Or is he just taking pictures everywhere? I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. But because he seems to be a member of the press, I guess. Right. Yeah. I uh, yeah. But I don't think we see him at any point be with like press credential- credentials or. But he's allowed to, to be everywhere necessary. Yeah. But he. Yeah. So let's just <laughs> he's say, at the birthday let's party. Let's just say he's the. Yeah. He's a. <laughs> he's a photographer <laughs> for for a newspaper. With, right. Yeah. I, he had to be because he's certainly curious about the story. He has right? a lot of access for reasons beyond the visual element. But the haircut, I just can't condone. I mean, that's <laughs> that's awful. No. It's 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 not good. Um, and don't give me seventies. That was the style. That was not. That the was style. not the style. Uh, David Warner, I will always love. He plays one of my favorite villains of all time in Time Bandits. He plays the devil, and him is the. De- that's one of my all-time favorites. He, um, some of his roles where he's an unlikable character, he does quite well. Uh huh. Easy to hate. Um, even his little role in Titanic, you kind of, you don't want to. Oh, geez, I don't even remember that. I haven't, he, seen, I haven't seen Titanic. He's like um, Billy Zane's right hand man, right? He's the. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so let's let's talk for a second about the sort of central silliness of, um, like, I mean, these priests. You know what exactly is the the plan here with these priests, right? It is written in the Bible. That the Antichrist will come, you know, and and sort of summon the last days, right? And so, what are they trying to do? They're trying to prevent the Antichrist from from appearing on Earth. Okay. It says right there in the Bible, <laughs> this is going to happen, right? <laughs> I mean, and they're supposed to be believers, exa- right? <laughs> what exactly is the point in trying to prevent this, right? Um, it's true. 
you know, uh, which is, uh, you know, the kind of question that's sort of not worth really asking because i mean this movie's grasp of biblical prophecy <laughs> let's true. just say yeah it's casual is... <laughs> at best yeah, I, definitely <laughs> they're not uh they didn't have a bible consultant <laughs> right on the on the set to make sure that they don't you know it says in the bible <laughs> all followers of the devil have have the birthmark of 666 right. sure that's what it says right um so uh yeah um i just yeah, the word dull just keeps coming to mind with this. I just, I just think as a, as an actual serious film, it just <laughs> doesn't work very well. I, 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 as a serious film, I think, I, I think there it has its moments, and I think one of the problems with the moments with the moment the creepy moments for me is that so many of them are just iconic, like the scene of him knocking her over. Yeah, I, maybe I already said this, but and the uh, and the, the nanny hanging herself. So those are scenes I've already I'm already. Thinking. And I think if is. As much as I really did not enjoy this soundtrack, and I'm a Jerry Goldsmith fan, mm, yeah. I, I like a lot of what he's done. This I just didn't like. I didn't like a lot of it. It just was. I find that very. Um, I find that very shocking. Maybe I just missed the point of it. I, I, yeah. I was. Maybe I, I was trying to be manipulated in that. I, I was. He. He was trying to make me feel unease. And mm-hmm. I was feeling <laughs> disdain. Right. Right. And you're like, mm-hmm. eh, try harder. I. I felt. I felt uneasy. And then, you know, um, if a movie can make me feel, you know, uneasy one minute and then laughing out loud the next minute, you know, <laughs> that's a I mean, success of some that's sort. That's a, that, that's a fun, that's a fun Saturday night to me. So, uh, so I give, I give this an enthusiastic, um, uh, this movie entertained me. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I will say this: uh, the the end of this movie, the last say, the, the sort of climax in the last ten minutes is very uh, was very disappointing and perfunctory. Uh, what we have is we end up with kind of a recreation of the biblical Abraham and uh, uh, and Isaac moment. Oh, right? that yeah, where, yeah, where uh, where he's going, he has. To, he's, I thought you were talking about after that. No, yeah, he's he's expected, to, you know, he's expected to sacrifice child right right and that scene is um there's a lot of emotional and philosophical baggage attached to that that could have been in play that's a that's a moment where this movie really could have had something a thought in its head about um uh you know the the morality of killing a uh, uh, of killing baby hitler in effect right yeah that's Um, why i don't feel that Peck, Gregory Peck was fully committed to this role. I, I just never yeah. felt like yeah uh, he didn't question it enough. You know what I mean? I felt like he did a little bit at the, or, at the very or, end. Yeah. But it seemed like once he, you know, his wife, did. it just seemed like they went from, even his wife too. She mm-hmm. didn't want anything to do with that kid after a while. Yeah, right. It just seemed like that didn't right. build. It just, it just turned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you'd think that they'd been more reluctant to never believe it, even though, you know, maybe... Uh, right, especially his, his mother. I mean, at first she's reluctant, because she thinks it's her actual child, whereas... Well, Gregory yeah, she Peck, doesn't know, that's right. Gregory Peck from knows the beginning the, kind of knows. And, not and my so, kid. Right, well, no, I mean, but, but also you that could, you could think, well, maybe boy. something's wrong with that kid. Maybe the, maybe <laughs> those nuns sold me, a, <laughs> sold me a lemon, right? That's right. <laughs> so... Um, so I, I I think that was just yeah. So the uh, yeah, and my issue with with the end is not so much uh, Gregory Peck's acting, which um, is not great in this movie, but also Gregory Peck generally is of that sort of Gary Cooper style of of acting, where uh, um, if he's in his wheelhouse, less is more, and also less is less. <laughs> but you're always going to get less. He's... <laughs> If if it's in his wheelhouse where it perfectly sits, like something like To Kill a Mockingbird, you're exactly you just nail right, it. Right. But right, right, where he could where a variety of roles may not be up to his. Uh, yeah, this role calls for uh, does not call for stoicism. No, it causes it calls for somebody to really be emotionally engaged. Yeah, yeah that's that's, and, and, that's and tor- what tortured I was... by yeah. But I and I but I think that finale is just really uh, rushed and and poorly directed. Right. I mean, there there is the scene. I mean, just when you're we're kind of getting to the point, and Damien is actually begging for his life, right? In, in a way that's genuinely genuinely unsettling. The movie immediately kind of lets us off the hook. 
Yeah. Right. With uh, with police come in, you know, and shoot him. Right. Um, um, and Damien lives. And and to its credit, the movie does end with a very the very creepy smile of you know. Uh, the you know the president of the United States attending uh uh you know he, the uh, ambassador the, the ambassador's funeral right and then you know comforting little Damien and you can tell he's basically going to be adopted now right, <laughs> right. right and then Damien looking over his, his shoulder and smirk and, the... and smirking at the slow very slowly smirking at the camera right it's basically the end of it's the end, same end as House of Cards season two you've right? <laughs> seen that <laughs> I haven't seen that no. <laughs> um but yeah what is the uh, well, what is the the boy's name? What is the kid's name? You said you wrote that down. Yeah, I did. It's oh. um, Harvey Spencer Stevens as Damien okay. Thorne. Okay. Well, we should uh, we should give him a shout out because that kid is very well cast and uh, he is the perfect combination, I think, of cute and and seriously creepy at times. Yeah, if um, they'd have done more with him, it might have yeah, not, might not yeah. have lasted. I mean, there's not a ton of him in the movie, really. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. Um, behind the scenes, a lot of it, but. Yeah, he, he's um, effective in the role. Yeah, that's for sure. And I, you know, I thought I, I thought the whole idea of that there are these people who know about him and are trying to be get close to him and want to be around him to groom him. Into yeah, what the he wants uh, to. the lady who plays the replacement nanny. Yeah, right. Kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the the whole idea that your you know your kid can be the target of some sort of like cosmic conspiracy. <laughs> Um, there's, there's just a, there's a lot to work with. I, I would have liked to, one thing I would have liked, doesn't. I mean, I don't know if I would want to take the time to see this play out, uh-huh. but the story of how they whitewashed the uh, ambassador from what they caught him doing and uh-huh. killed him for <laughs> right. to getting a state funeral in, uh-huh. you know, Arlington or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> Diplomat community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that right. would have made yes. Right. Because obviously something got swept under the carpet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The details were not made. Uh, yeah. Uh, made clear to the but powers But hey, I've the... seen The Omen now. So uh, Yes. Yes. I've seen The Omen. And uh, I, I I, really enjoyed it. Did you? And you had not seen it before? There was a. Because I remember. Um, it, well, I mean, it's a movie that's just sort of so iconic. And Surely the, you would have caught part of it yeah, on TV. So yeah. There, there were lots of it that I had seen. And I sort of wasn't sure if I had seen it all the, all the way through, but I definitely had not. I, I definitely don't, because I'll never forget how David Warner dies. No, that's... <laughs> I mean, that, was, that was so silly. They, they could put that in every movie and it'd be all right. That was... Right. So, so I definitely would have remembered that. So it's um... it's it's better than the priest with the with the spear because. There's not all that time to get out of the way, right. you know. Well, it sort of it sort of builds, kind of, right? but yeah. Because when the priest when the priest got hit by the spire, I also laughed out loud, right, for the reasons we talked about. But they just keep sort of upping themselves, right, and finding more and more ridiculous ways to kill people. I mean, because the, the the spire hitting the priest, oh, fellas, you know, there's there's a car block away, and you just you just watch it come and hit you, man. <laughs> but if if Satan's aim is that good, what chance do we well, maybe have? Maybe he takes your maybe your ability to to move was taken. You know. Right? Yeah. Yes, he was right frozen with. Fear. Or maybe he gave up too because he, he did have terminal cancer, from what they said. That's true. Why not die? What's funny is <laughs> you know I, I mentioned. I was, why not die ridiculously? <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned we mentioned earlier because I'm a bigot. I can't tell the difference between. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> one Italian priest, uh, one priest, and another. What, what what I was thinking as I was believing that is, why did they give him the kid, and all of a sudden now he's totally you know I mean I, I couldn't figure out yeah I go they gave him the baby and yeah. now he's all mad that they have the baby because he's he knows yeah. he's the spawn of Satan yeah right, yeah yeah so why didn't they know that before when they gave it him they gave him the baby but it's not the same priest yes 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 right and and I think I, I was expecting him to go sort of track down oh, I guess he did. He went back to the orphanage and the priest he got yeah. he got the right, baby right, from right, was yeah. the one who was uh, disfigured right right right, right okay right right okay and right. scribbled the note so right 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 okay so so it was all uh, I see. okay right yeah so it was they were all up to okay they finally finally got it together at the end yeah you know, for me it was a it was a, a miss but uh, I you know I had some fun. I mean I had more fun talking about it than I did watch. <laughs> But I, there were a few moments when I did <laughs> right. did laugh a lot. You know. If if I watched it in a group, I probably would have had a lot more fun with it. Yes. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I really I found this movie <laughs> genuinely entertaining. Um. So uh, 
Yeah. Uh, uh, but, but, but I, I, I do, uh, I do admit that, it, you know, it, I, I do recognize that it's slow in part, especially in the second part where they get, they go sort of Dan Brownie and, and, you know, yeah, that, that, there's a section there where, where they're just sort of going from one ridiculous yeah. sort of thing to another. Right. Uh, so it's slow there, but, but, you know, punctuated by genuine <laughs> hilarity. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely some, <laughs> so. some moments that, uh. The ho- most horror mo- you know, horror-like m- moments are some of the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right. Well, sh- okay. Should we randomize? I'm I'm feeling good about it this week. I, I mean, I'm I'm I I think Why wouldn't you? Right. I I um I think the randomizer, whatever it is we're doing, I think we're doing it right. Uh, after the omen, I think that the uh, ooh, um, you see the I, double meaning there. Yeah, it could ooh, be an omen. Wow, that, it could uh, be an omen. See. Hmm? Yeah. Right. Um, it could be an omen. The omen could be an omen. That the randomizer is a p- is is a peas. <laughs> taking happy the, with us. taking the foot off the the gas a little bit when uh-huh. it comes to the crappy movies. All right, let's see what we get here. Slowing down. I'm naturally, ner- I'm always naturally nervous at this part. 1995. Are you ready? Yeah, a lot of good movies came out. There. Jade. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't think that that was one of them. I don't think no. I I know of that movie's reputation. I have not <laughs> seen that movie, but I know it does not have a good reputation. Oh man, I don't know anything about it. Um, David Caruso. I think that was the movie David Caruso left NYPD Blue to um to make. Notoriously great move in the history. <laughs> yes, yes, and we all know that David Caruso's movie career from there, yeah, like just went took off. into the stratosphere. He became right? like the and next John he, Travolta. Yes, he was. He was killed uh, tragically under a mountain of Oscars later on. That's I believe. right. Um, so, so we'll be back next week with a couple more reviews. One of them will be Jade, and the other one will be yet to be determined. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week. Bye.